Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Broadway Bulletin. We are excited to bring you our second episode of this latest installment from Stage Whisper. To continue our return to Broadway, we saw two more riveting and Tony Award-winning shows. The first one we want to delve into was the was at the Schubert Theater. The show was written by Aaron Sorkin, and it is To Kill a Mockingbird. This was just absolutely an amazing show. I mean, honestly, it... Like I said to you at the theater, the only way I could love the story of To Kill a Mockingbird anymore was to throw in Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, it was wonderful storytelling. I mean, it, it really was. It was storytelling at its best. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more detail um, that I don't know about you, but I was able to see. Yeah. Um, the first time I saw it, um, I was really focusing on how they had restructured, how Aaron Sorkin had restructured the plot line. Right, right, right. Um, but instead, um, like this time, I already knew that going into it. So I was able to focus on the costumes, the set, the staging, you yes. know, the more details. I loved this time the incorporation of a hearing impaired actor and ASL in the character of Mr. D's and Boo Radley. That really took, like, caught me off guard and it really just added another element to it. Uh, something that didn't exist pre-pandemic. And coming back and reopening the show, you know, them putting that an actor like that in added a whole other layer into this. And it, it actually, in, that, in those scenes that he was in, it actually enhanced it. it made now, it are much- we sure that the, the actor is hearing impaired? Or is he just playing a character? Be interesting to find out. Yeah, because that was fluent sign language. Is a oh, thing. yeah. No, it so was very if that's fluent. an actor that is fluent in ASL, that's even more impressive. I think they were hearing impaired. I'd like to believe they hired a hearing impaired actor. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, in, the age of, uh, in the age as we strive for equality. But that, that's a good one. That's a good question and a good point to bring up. The Aaron Sorkin touch is absolutely amazing. And as you're watching The West Wing for the first time... And I'm watching it for the 50,000th time. There are so many correlations between the two. And if you look at any of any other Aaron Sorkin work, I mean, he did A Few Good Men, among other things. There is just a touch that he has. There's a certain prose to his writing. And it's just... I mean, uh, I love the way that he poses philosophical questions. Yeah. And the, there's, a, there's a natural fluidity to his conversation in the best way. I mean, yes. Atticus, who is played by Jeff Daniels, and Jeff Daniels is amazing in this. The way that a lot of what he says is very prophetic and um, inspiring in that, but then he also has these human moments where he goes, I'm going to say, well, no, 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 well, no. You know, it's real. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, yes, a lot of that has to do with the actor, but also a lot of that has to do with the writing, you know. Mm -hmm. When Scout says, all rise, I just got so many chills. Well, and I love that they centered the theme of To Kill a Mockingbird under this, like, all-rise aspect. They use it as a theme throughout the show because I think it's drawing attention to... There's a lot of elements it's drawing attention to that the show addresses. Yes, which we could get into a lot later. We'll get it, yeah. Yeah. Um, There's an important social, political message, particularly regarding race and equality in the show. And again, something we're going to get into later, but I love... Again, pre-pandemic, this was a great show. I think everyone recognized for the story of To Kill a Mockingbird post-pandemic or post 
shut down, we're kind of looking at it in a whole new light, which yes. I think is one of the great things about a show like this that existed well, on both ends. Well, especially when we have such a well, and especially since we have had a lot of division in our communities since. Yeah, not just our country, but our community. And so, f- for the show not only to exist on both ends of it, but to be able to reinvent, not necessarily reinvent, but really to be able to be seen in two different lights. Mm-hmm. That's important. Um, I love the phrase that Dill says. The things we, that we cannot see are a lot less scary than the things we can. And it's something I think we all should carry with us. So, I'll just say go see the show. It inspires the change you want to see. It's playing at the Schubert Theater eight times a week. Tickets on sale now through 2022. The next show that we saw was one that we have seen many times over, but was amazing just the same. For this, we ventured down to 45th Street to the Minskoff Theater, and we saw Disney's The Lion King. Oh my goodness. Absolute magic. Yeah. So, this was your first time in the orchestra. This is yes. my second time. Uh, the first time I saw the show was in the orchestra, and I did not appreciate it for what it was then. But tonight... It was amazing. Uh, I got instant chills when the curtain went up and Rafiki starts that show. I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. Broadway's back. Like, Mm -hmm. oh. And then, well, I'm going to ask you a question about this. I thought it was cool and great really connecting and seeing the joy on people's faces, especially the kids, but also the adults. The adults, yes. But, you know, not just during the opening number, but really as the, the parade of animals are coming down the aisle. What did you think of that? You've always sat in the orchestra, so you've kind of seen the tail end of the parade coming up on the stage, but what did you think now that you've actually sat what in the orchestra? What I loved about the opening number is um, when I turned to look at the actors, like, they actually, like, looked back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I love that in a show. I love that in a moment. And I love that each of them was able to give me that moment, which yeah. was great. You felt um, a part of this parade. Yes, yeah, and it's like we're all part of the circle of life. Yeah, well, and the lady next to me, oh, my gosh, she was definitely, like, in her, like, 50s, 60s, but uh, listening to her reaction was amazing. The woman across from me was mouth open and all about this, and what my favorite thing is, I don't know if you heard... Um, at the end of Act 1 where Scar says run, run away and never return. And someone yelled out, you can come be with me, baby. Yeah. That was her. That was the one right across <laughs> from me. And I just wanted to be like, it's not a participation thing, but then I was like, now you go ahead. You know what? If that's what you feel, if that's what this theater, this show has made you feel, you go ahead. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And being in those seats now, not that we weren't in the balcony. Not that the balcony's a bad seat. No, it's... Honestly, I love seeing the balcony to get a feel for the show. But the fact that I knew the show well, um, you know, I wasn't trying to, like, see what was happening. I knew it very well. I loved being closer to be able to see the detail. Yeah. And I was going to say, we got an up-close view uh, uh, more of the detail regarding makeup and wigs and costumes and acting and all of that. I, I One thing I noticed was I got a more up-close view of the puppeting. 
Yes. Uh, the dude playing Zazu. Uh, mm-hmm. I was living for it. Living for it. How mm-hmm. fast his hands are moving under me. I have a huge appreciation for the puppeting in that show. Yeah. Um, Julie Taymor knew... Puppeteering. Julie Taymor knew exactly what she was doing with all the styles of puppeting that she brought into uh, the show. It's very smart. It's very entertaining to most audiences, but anyone who's studied any facet of theater, theater history or theater in the world, very smart. There's so many elements... So mm-hmm. many cultures of theater that are put in the show. Um, yeah, I the the makeup was absolutely remarkable to me. Yeah, there was so many details on the makeup that I hadn't ever seen or realized before. And what I, I'm I'm gonna chalk it up to instead of ignorance, I'm gonna say that I needed a better, new and improved prescription on my glasses, or just wearing glasses, <laughs> or my contacts. Like I don't remember being able to see the show as clearly. Ever and I don't think that was just because we were in the orchestra. Yeah. But like, Zazu's makeup was super in depth, and um, the ladies wearing the um, the birds as they came down the oh, aisle. Oh, white. Uh huh. They had little like symbols yes. on their cheeks that I hadn't seen, and seeing the lionesses, a couple of them had like gold eyeshadow that made mm-hmm. their whole eyes pop and just made them look like lioness you, goddesses. You, you, the thing is, is when you're in the balcony, all of that registers and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. And then when you're in the orchestra and you see those details, you go, oh, that is why. Mm-hmm. And, all, and, and us working in the theater on that backstage and like mm-hmm. those little things, you're getting two different, you're getting the same reaction, the same message across. But two different interpretations, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, you love the Simba tonight, right? Oh my gosh, I love the Simba tonight. I thought that he played things in a way that I hadn't seen before. Um, I felt that he really gave Simba a, an arc that I was able to follow. I liked his interactions with Nala. I'll give you yes, that. Yes, like his interactions with Nala were so sweet. Like I actually saw a buildup of that, like, I, I hate to use this word in a Disney show, but, like, sexual tension. No, as I said, the intimacy between the two yes. was really, really nice because they hinted at the whole time, and you can't just go from zero to 60 all of a sudden. And right. it's a great, there's a great moment where they, they reach for each other's hands, and they really have this tender moment, and there's almost like a courtship there. Yes, and it is something that, like, you didn't, I noticed also with Nala and Scar for the first time, she literally walked in and played confused because she's like, why the hell is this man hitting on me? Yeah. He's old enough to be my dad. Yeah. You know? And so um, I just, I, I, I love the way that the Simba played um, his journey into discovering who he was and finding his pride. Um, I thought he did a really good job. Speaking of the Simba and Nala thing, I just had another thought about the detail. Um, in Act 2, I noticed for the first time in the backdrop, clouds. Yeah. I know that sounds very basic and who cares and, oh, you must have been bored. No, no, no. The the coloring and everything was so gorgeous. Well, it looks and, like a watercolor. Well, yeah, but the clouds were moving. Yeah. And that's what I was like. I'm just like taking this all in and then I'm like... Well, and they, there are clouds moving. It's not smoke. They did They're it in Shadowland, too. Yeah. And I, I thought maybe someone's camera went off or something, but no, there was like a storm yeah. in the background. And I was like, <laughs> I was like I didn't that's notice really good. That. Just, but you're taking it in all. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, you also noticed for the first time, um, there were 
people in the cast that are just dancers that, that don't sing. Yeah, I had no idea of that because when you're up in the balcony, especially with all the different puppeteering elements on them, you can't see their mouths if they're moving or not. So what's interesting is we have covered the show, and I didn't mention that there's a choir. Yes. And when we were talking, that's what I was like, of course, yeah, because there's a whole choir. And I didn't realize, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, no, there's just dancers. They they hire a whole, there's like a whole ballet troupe that's just in this show. Yeah. And um, being a performer, I'm like, there's a lot of things they do in this show that would be really hard to be like, him and him, like, it would be a horrible sound. But we finally got to see that, and, um, oh, my gosh, they were, they're the things that these people do with their bodies. Right. I mean, for one, like, let's talk about the Ant Hill, like, the classic, like, Ant Hill character. I didn't realize she was on point, for, which makes sense why her movements look like an ant. Follow up. I didn't know she was an Ant Hill. I'll play ignorant on that one. I didn't realize she was an Ant Hill. Oh, yeah. No, I did I never knew what the hell that was going across the stage at that moment. I was like, some weird... I've always tried to figure that out. I was yeah, like, it's I an think that's supposed to be like the vultures or something or some dead thing. And I saw it tonight and I went, oh, <laughs> it's, I get it. You're an ant here. Mm-hmm. I felt so dumb. But yeah, she's on point, but it's not something you could probably see from up above because, of course, we were at stage level. Right. And then, But just the movements that these people are able to do, the things they do with their body, the only thing I've seen more contorting was Pippin, and they were circus performers. Right. Um, the other thing that I really, I hadn't ever noticed for, like, ever, was the way that the cheetah's, the cheetah puppet's head is connected mm-hmm. to the actor. Um, the actor just has to move their head, mm-hmm. and the head of the cheetah moves exactly like their head. Yep. And I, I didn't realize it until tonight, but, like, what I thought was literally just, like, a person with, like, a shaved head. Mm-hmm. No, that shaved head is almost like, a, it's a headpiece that is it's also... part of the puppet. Yeah, that's so part of the like puppet. Like the lions and whatnot. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea, and this was such a small detail that I wouldn't have been able to see had I not been that close. The biggest takeaway that I have for tonight um, is, overall, I mean, this is our third show since we've returned. Overall, in my opinion, Brody, bleh, Brody, <laughs> Broadway audiences seem to be more engaged. There's a lot more reactions. There's a lot more applause throughout the show. Not just like, yay, we're clapping because the lights have gone down. And yay, it's you know intermission. And woo, it's the end of the show. But they're actually having these real, real-time reactions throughout the show. And the actors, you can see, are clearly feeding off of that. Yes. Well, and I think and they're they're using it to to create an even higher level and even greater art form uh, out there, um, and it's absolutely fantastic. I love tonight that like in the middle of the songs or at the end of songs when people felt so moved, they were applauding. You know, at the end of the show, at three different points during the closing number, people were applauding. They were so happy that oh my gosh, there's you know there's the 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 Pride Land cast, there's all the giraffes and that. I'm gonna applaud at that, you know, and oh my gosh, look, there's all these dancing people and I can't just can't wait to be king. I'm gonna applaud at that. And I was just like Right, or everyone uh applauding the the hyena dancers before the end of the number. Yeah. Um or or uh Rafiki. Every time like Rafiki was on they got an applause. And it wasn't just like a polite applause, it was like a roaring applause. And this show has been open now for about three weeks so this isn't just like the yay you're finally open like I feel like audiences 
pre-shut down, maybe got just like lulled a little bit, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And now have been awakened and it's like, we want you to react. Just go off your instincts. React exactly whatever you feel. Do exactly how you... Honestly, the show that made me the most uncomfortable, 1984, which had the reviews about people rushing the stage and everything that I thought was fake, but then once we saw it, I understood why. Mm-hmm. I think that that wasn't an anomaly. I think that's what we are, the world we're in now, where that show got it, where they're like, you need to react to what we're doing. Don't be polite. Like, there is theater etiquette, but don't be polite. Honestly react to what you see. When you like something, react that way. When you don't like something, react that way. Mm-hmm. But be a, be a live audience, because it's live theater, and that's what I feel about Broadway. Well... That about does it for this episode of the Broadway Bulletin. Be sure to tune in to our next edition coming out every Tuesday and Saturday. Until next time, I'm Hope Bird. And I'm Andrew Cortez, reminding you to turn off your cell phone. Unwrap your candies and keep your mask on. Please. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at StageWhisperPod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Booga Blues by U.S. Army Blues. Other music on this episode provided by U.S. Army Blues and Billy Murray.